and welcome to the second season of Scene to Song, a musical theater podcast for people who love to discuss, critique, and celebrate musicals as a literary art form. I'm your host, Shoshana Greenberg, and each week I'll bring on a guest to talk about a musical, musical theater writer, or a topic or trend in musical theater. My guest today is John Verderber. John writes book, music, and lyrics, and was a member of the BMI workshop for several years. His musical, This Union, is currently in development, and he has also written for New York and Time Out magazines. We're going to talk today about political musicals. Hi, welcome, John. Welcome back to the podcast. Oh, thank you. Good to be here again. You are our first return guest. Um, That's an honor. From, Very nice. Aside from the season That's one right, yeah. uh, finale episode. So uh, we're going to get started with our get to know our guest questions. What is the last great musical you saw? At the York Theatre Company in Midtown East, uh, they have a series, Encores, of course, has their lavish big orchestra restoration of old uh, shows that didn't quite work the first time or are in need of a second hearing, perhaps. The York does something called uh, Mufti, which is a piano, street clothes, much more low-key version and they do three a season. And this year, because of the centennial of Alan J. Lerner, they did three of his uh, uh, less successful uh, shows. And one of those was a show called Lolita, My Love, based on Nabokov's uh, controversial novel, Lolita, um, which is about, a, to, to put it bluntly, a murderous pedophile. And um, it's Lolita, My Love is going to be the best musical about a murderous pedophile I've ever existed it's it's odious subject matter and it's very difficult to um to grasp uh not to grasp but it's very difficult to accept this as a musical and yet it's it's perfectly well written that the lyrics are very sharp the book is is clear the music is by john barry who wrote um the score for Lion in Winter and a lot of the James Bond stuff. It's very good. It's a very good show. It's long, but it closed out of town in, in Philadelphia and Boston in 1971, and with good reason. It just, I, I can't see it finding more of an audience than as a curiosity piece as it was at the York, but it's a very good show, just really difficult to, uh, to find uh, palatable. He is a serious, you know, a serious uh, man with... Uh, uh, you know, uh, attraction to a teenage girl, and who, mm-hmm. who it, it's 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 chilling and it's disturbing. It's not at all campy. It's not at all Carrie or or uh, or Rachel Lily Rosenblum or something. And it, it, which I think is what made it all the more off-putting for mm-hmm. audiences in the '70s and certainly today. I mean, it got some very good write-ups. The New Yorker wrote a really interesting piece, calling it kind of a lost masterpiece. And it, in a way, it is. But it, I. I can't see it going more than a week on East 54th Street. I'm just thinking of things like Carousel, which is also about like mm. a horrible guy, uh, and yet like that is palatable <laughs> and a, I, deemed a classic. I think I mean that's that's one of my favorite shows, and I think yeah. I don't know why. I'd have to think about that more. That's yeah. a really good question. I think just the notion of pedophilia and murdering a young girl's mother for. Sex for your sexual uh, desires is just that's not Carousel. Carousel is a lot of things that are off-putting and were off-putting in 1945 and are certainly uh, difficult today. But it's not pedophilia. I think that's a line. <laughs> I think that might be a line for, for a lot of people. Certainly me. Yeah. But it's a fascinating and it's it's a good show. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a it's it, it's a show that is long and you know it it clearly it's of. 1971 and of Alan J. Lerner's sensibility, but it it works. It's fine, except for the one you know elephant <laughs> on the stage. So I guess the lesson is like, don't write about. <laughs> I, I always thought that I always thought that there was something you know that that you anything could be a musical with the right author and the right sensibility and the right uh, you know uh, sort of uh, taste and and I suppose I'm wrong. I I, I just uh, and it it was. Was a you know a, a, a you know a splash of cold water because 
I, I keep I keep thinking, well, you know, it, it was a, it, but it's a good flop. Mm-hmm. It's a good show, and we'll never see it. I hope there's a recording made, just because the score is good. There's a lot of craft in, in the in the score that I admired, and mm-hmm. I think it's one of Lerner's better, you know, post Frederick Lowe pieces yeah. because some of them are just out there and not very good. <laughs> Which writers, both of the past and working today, do you admire most? Working today, I think. David Yazbek is at the top of his form right now. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he wins a back-to-back Tony Award for the score to Tootsie. Um, anything's possible. But um, I think he really knows how to pick different uh, stylistic, uh, just different styles, different types of shows. Yeah, it's, it's his voice, and he also knows how to craft a song mm-hmm. and how to drive a title and a hook home and to make the song compressed and not have it wander off. It's it's a pop writer mentality, I think. Mm-hmm. But that's what songwriting is, and uh, he can be adventurous and experimental. But he really knows how to make a song land and work, and make a title and feel and a refrain just feel good and and clear and satisfying mm-hmm. to an audience and to a listener. Is there a musical, one you saw recently, or an older one, that taught you something valuable about the craft of writing? Uh, going, well, well I, I, going back to Lolita, don't do that. There are some subjects that can't be a musical. <laughs> um, not necessarily a show, but over the past uh, few months, I've been listening to on and off a lot of Jerry Herman's work, mm-hmm. and um, it's... It, it's it's unpopular to say, I, I think, especially now, because his work might seem like a Hallmark reading card to some people, but he, he really knows how to write a song, mm-hmm. and he really knows how to convey character and situation and tell a story in a, in a, I mean, it's a conservative song form, in a, in a 32-bar form. He mm-hmm. really knows how to get that across. I, there are some songs of his that are, that are pretty... Uh, turgid. I mean, the title song for Dear World is, is not a very good song. <laughs> there are things in La Caja Fall that don't thrill me, and there are things in La Caja Fall that are very good, but a score like Mac and Mabel, and particularly that in Mame, I think are his two best scores, mm-hmm. you know, and he just, he knows how to write those, that kind of song, that kind of show, and his point of view is so, it's so, it's so, Honest, it's he's so he he's 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 really putting himself out there in a similar way that Oscar Hammerstein did. Mm-hmm. Although I think Herman is a more urban creature. Certainly, I don't think Oscar Hammerstein could have written a Mame or Hello Dolly mm-hmm. quite successfully. But um, but I think that's him. That kind of uh, optimism is him, and that's yeah. that's something uh, to be so vulnerable and to to put yourself out there as a writer, which all the best writers do. That's that's something be admired I think. Yeah I remember um, a teacher uh, in graduate school saying that he like secretly loved <laughs> Jerry yeah. Herman because um, he just loved his like facility and I guess delight in wordplay and like the fun of that. Interesting. Um, I don't sense wordplay so much. I think his lyrics are very direct. Although I mean, they're direct. Yes. I mean, not wordplay in like <clears throat> Sondheim kind of wordplay. Yes, yes. But like wordplay in like, well, you think of a song like Elegance from Hello Dolly. Or Put On Your Sunday or Clothes, too, Sunday. which is yeah. my, perhaps my favorite song mm-hmm. of his. That, that, I, I see that, too. Yeah. In, in, in his, his delight in old-fashioned song craft in an yeah. Ira Gershwin kind of Right. Quarter. And like, yeah. and like from that, I kind of took like, oh, don't be... Don't be afraid to just love that. To just love that, like happiness and joy, and you know. if, if it's you, I mean, and, mm-hmm. all, and you can find other. I mean, I think that there's a lot of joy in Sondheim's work. Mm-hmm. It's just different, for, and, and certainly a lot of joy in Candor and Ebb's work. It's just mm-hmm. a different kind of joy. Right. And um, I think if, if I think that a lot of writers then and a lot of writers now. They want to sell sell the number. They want to. Mm-hmm. Everybody has to sell it and jump around, and and, and it's just it's phony. Whereas mm-hmm. a, a number like "Put on Your Sunday Clothes" mm-hmm. or those damn title songs, they, they're wonderful. They're completely honest. He believes mm-hmm. in that, and that's impressive to me. Let's move on to our topic, which is generally political musicals, but more specifically why the more relationship and character-based 
of the political musicals survive and still move us in a way that the ones that I guess are more satire the satirical ones uh, hmm. don't and yeah so um, why don't we I guess start just with what uh, kind of brought you to this topic I can just start with why I think relationship uh, shows about politics with relationships work better and mm-hmm. it's, it's, because, it's a phrase I hate but the stakes are higher and mm-hmm. when you're dealing with people, the stakes are always higher. When and, and characters and yeah. politics change. I mean, you know, race will always be an issue in this country. But the way race is perceived and, and, and aspects of race and racism and and, all, and, and civil rights change over time. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're dealing with specific times and certainly characters. Not presidents, not but look. We're talking about Call Me Madam, yeah. which was done recently. It's about a woman named Pearl Mesta, mm-hmm. essentially. I mean, I mean, Sally Adams is based on this character who was an ambassador. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's it, it dates itself. It's very much a star vehicle, and these kind of satirical shows. You know, George Kaufman said that sat, satires were closed on Saturday night. But mm-hmm. I don't think that's true. I think there are some satires that are still fun and nostalgic and we can look back on. And they're not necessarily political. Something like Bye Bye Birdie, I right. think, still is fun and we have them some nostalgia for that. But something like Call Me Madam, I don't know about that. Yip Harburg's work, mm-hmm. Finian's Rainbow, Flahuli, I, his The work is wonderful. The songs are wonderful. Yeah. It's wonderful to put on a CD. I don't know how well the shows hold up. Even something that's a more serious satire, like Litz Stein's Cradle Will Rock, mm-hmm. um, the, the politics of, of the labor movement in the 30s have changed. Mm-hmm. And because they're not real characters, because they're cartoons, because it's because in Call Me Madam, it's Ethel Merman being an Ethel Merman type, yeah. because it's a leprechaun in, in, in Finian's Rainbow and it, it, it's a puppet in Flahuli, these don't quite work. The, uh, except for the songs, as far as I'm concerned. There's one other show that comes later that I don't think holds up well. And I may be in the minority here. I don't think hair holds up well at oh, all. Oh, interesting. I, I think it, it holds up as a recording. It's a wonderful recording to listen to because the songs are good. Mm-hmm. But it's impossible, I think, to recapture the, the zeitgeist of the late 60s. To me, because I, you know, the revival that was first in the mm-hmm. park yes. with the the public produced mm-hmm. and then it went to mm-hmm. Broadway. Mm-hmm. I feel like that show holds up when, depending on the what is going on in the administration the uh, of the day. So like when I saw it during the Bush administration, uh-huh. now this is getting very political. But it yes, felt it, like, yes, that's fine. Yeah. It felt like, oh my gosh, this is so relevant. I'm really feeling this right now. When I saw it in, when it went to Broadway, which was then in Obama, during the Obama administration, it had less of an emotional. Perhaps gut because push. I saw it in because I saw that same production at the Hirschfeld. Yeah. At, in, during the Obama administration, it felt uh, cute and nostalgic, and I think that the dire, pressing issue of mm-hmm. Vietnam uh, and its effect on those young people, it seems it seemed forced and phony, and a bunch of very talented actors playing. Mm-hmm. Hippies, yeah. you know. Perhaps uh, you're right. Perhaps today, which uh, dare I say, politically is we're even more dangerous territory than during the Bush administration. <laughs> yeah. Perhaps um, it 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 would it would feel differently for me. Yeah. But I think I still think that it it, it holds up better as a collection of songs mm-hmm. because it's not as strong a piece of writing. There are shows that hit the zeitgeist in a certain time, and that their original productions and how they felt to an audience in that moment, mm-hmm. that can't happen again. That's true of Follies, I think. Not a political show. Mm-hmm. But you can't have a B-movie stars like Alexis Smith and those kind of characters, right. those kind of people. But the writing's so strong, I think it's worth doing again. It just simply won't be the same as it was. Right. Um, in, in, I mean, one more topical, satirical show I do think holds up simply because of the attitude uh, the operetta-like attitude is of the I Sing. Mm-hmm. So for some reason, I think it holds up. Maybe it's a personal thing that I find that kind. I don't like Gilbert and Sullivan, but I love when people uh, pastiche and mm-hmm. parody Gilbert and Sullivan. Um, I, I, I really like of the I Sing. I think it holds up. And perhaps because it is more... 
it, it is more general. I mean, even though it's the 30s, there's no depression num Great Depression number. There's no. It's just general Washington crap, mm -hmm. which has become worse. But you know, the more things change, the more things stay the same. Right, I, I think right. I think that holds up, and certainly the attitude of of the lyrics and the the treatment of the score helps it survive. Not mm -hmm. not survive as well as the three shows we're going to talk about, right. but nevertheless, it, it yeah. holds up better than Call Me Madam. And, <laughs> and yeah, the thing with satire is like. You have to be, I think you do have to be kind of living in that time mm -hmm. to get the satire, to, especially if it's like really pointed satire yeah. about, you know, specific things that you're supposed to like kind of get, like make those connections to. And I, of the I Sing, I know I saw that at some point, but that one, maybe if I saw it again, that one didn't really stick with me mm. either, but it was a while ago that I saw it, so. I've, I've. I've only seen like per clips on YouTube of like I mean I, I know knowing the score right, right. perhaps if I did see a production I, I would feel the same way yeah. but just listening to the scores oh I think that that works for me mm -hmm. you know musically speaking maybe maybe once you see the book scenes it's possible you, you just want to you know roll your eyes right, um, right. <laughs> yeah right so let's let's talk about then the shows that um, do work as political musicals because of that character based relationship based yeah. uh, Kind of story. Well, well, South Pacific is the first one I'd like to talk about, mm -hmm. uh, which it opened in April of 1949. Of course, we know that's by Rodson Hammerstein with a book by Hammerstein and uh, Josh Logan. Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting that we were just uh, <laughs> kind of uh, talking about how much uh, Coleman Madam doesn't work being contemporary. South Pacific was very much a contemporary piece, right. and it's uh, and, and World War Two was on very much on the minds of mm -hmm. the audiences that saw it. However. It's not a World War II. It, it is a World War II musical. Don't get me wrong, but it, but it's so much more than that. In, in in the in the context of World War II, he talks about something. Hammerstein mm -hmm. talks about something he's been talking about his entire career, which is race, which is which is the real. He was a real humanitarian and the real uh, desire for the races to come together mm -hmm. and just, you know, get along, which is what we're supposed to do. This has been going on since Showboat. Showboat is a show that is essentially at its core about miscegenation. Mm -hmm. And South Pacific is too, uh, only in a more, I don't think there's anything really romantic about the miscegenation of mm -hmm. Showboat, but this is a, rom this is a more romantic musical. Um, and this is his most, at this point in his career at least, his most, um, Blatant, uh, blatantly uh, forceful uh, statement on race. Mm -hmm. um, in, in in the one song, you've got to be taught, which they want, which was because South Pacific was a big hit mm -hmm. out of town, and I guess it played in Boston. Um, it was based on a very successful Pulitzer Prize-winning novel by James Michener. Mm -hmm. But that one song, you've got. We don't want to hear about mixed races. We don't want this, you know, kind of shoved down our throat. And uh, Hammerstein and Rogers approached Michener and said, you know, a lot of people from publishing and in business and investors, they're saying this, what do you think? You know, he said, well, that's why I wrote the book and that's why you wrote the show. So why yeah. don't, so just leave it alone, keep it. And they said, we agree with you. And uh, it's, it's, it's the most succinct song I, I, I know about from that era and certainly probably before, up until the civil rights era, about what racism is, and mm -hmm. I, I'm going to recite the lyric if you don't mind, because it's okay. short, um, and I, it's one of the few lyrics to short that I memorized. Um, <laughs> you've got to be taught uh, to hate and fear. You've got to be taught from year to year. It's got to be drummed in your dear little ear. You've got to be carefully taught. You've got to be taught to be afraid of people whose eyes are oddly made and people whose skin is a different shade. You've got to be carefully taught. You've got to be taught before it's too late, before you are six or seven or eight, to hate all the people your relatives hate. You've got to be carefully taught. You've got to be carefully taught. It's also interesting that Joe Cable, the the North, the the, the uh, lieutenant mm -hmm. who's in love with a Polynesian girl, mm -hmm. uh, is, can't. He's a Northern liberal, and he can't. Con he confronts and can't eradicate his own sense of racial prejudice, which we, which we all, I think all of us have in, in some degree. Yeah. Um, yet the re Southern reactionary N Nellie Forbush um, does overcome it and does take care of those two children of Emile de Bex 
and marries him and accepts them as her own. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting uh, Hammersteinian point. Of, it's an optimistic message, and it's, I think it's what he would hope, and he'd be appalled today, but I, I think he'd still have hope. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it, it, it was pro- it's probably the, the, the great political musical up until the next one we'll talk about, which is Cabaret, mm-hmm. which opened in 1966, a book by Joe Masteroff, Kander and Ebscore, and it was really uh, spearheaded and conceived, and the production was directed by Hal Prince. Prince is an incredibly political director. I mean, look at Evita, look at Pacific Overtures, look at Love Music. Um, uh, you know, even he, he politicized Sweeney Todd. I mean, it's there, but that was kind of imposed on it. I don't, and I mean that in a positive way. I think that that helps the piece. Right. They um, he put in the industrial revolution. The, the industrial yeah. Industrial revolution. The classes. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, yeah. When you see it in different productions, that's not always. No. No. And it's not. It's not really in the piece. In yeah. the text of the piece, which is fine. But I, I, I happen to think that can help. Um, but Cabaret was his first big breakthrough as a director. He directed other things, other things before. Um, because it takes place in, in 1929, 1930, the rise of the Third Reich, and a kind of decadent Germany, Berlin, um, you, you, it's, it's, it's easy to go for a kind of court vile, uh, Bertolt Brecht style, and certainly on the surface the score has that. Kander and Ebb said they avoided listening to Brecht and, and vile stuff, um, but it's there, certainly in the comment numbers of the Master of Ceremonies, right. and certainly in the original production of, of, of Vile's wa- Wife and Muse, Lottie Lenya was, mm-hmm. was the landlady. Um, it, it's, it, it's there, and it's, it, I, I, I think Brecht, uh, I mean, sorry, excuse me, I think Prince is, uh, said I'm not influenced by Brecht, but I think there's no denying it, that, that at least the politics of his what attracts what, what what pieces he's attracted to um, yeah. are there? It might not be Brecht uh, directly, but um, uh, Cabaret, however, I mean Brecht, I don't think is an emotional playwright. Uh, Cabaret is a very emotional show. There's a uh, there's a lot going on with the landlady and uh, Frau Schneider mm-hmm. and Herr Schultz, the fruit uh, the fruit seller, the grocer. He's Jewish. She is not. And uh, because she is afraid of uh, of what will happen in in a, in a newly uh, hateful anti-Semitic uh, society, yeah. uh, she ends the relationship. And the key song is, I, I think, in this show. I think a lot. I think musicals, certainly musicals of this depth, have key songs that kind of, and they're not always the beloved hit songs mm-hmm. everyone loves. But that's they're the they're the focal point. They're, they they sum up what the show is is a song she sings that not everybody knows, but because it's not in the movie, it's not one of the famous songs, What Would You Do If You Were Me? Um, and it's interesting that in the original production, Boris Aronson did the set, and there's a mirror. Mm-hmm. And, and there are some variations on this in, in other productions, in like Sam Mendes' production, that can move and kind of reflect the audience. And it's what, when she sings this song, even in the, in the show as it's done today in any production, it's kind of asking the audience, what would you do in this situation? Right. You know, it, it, it's really an interesting, uh, you know, thing. It, it's it's reminding the audience that this, yeah, this is a period piece. This this happened then. It can happen. It is in many ways. It is happening now. It can happen wherever human beings are. Mm-hmm. Terrible things can happen, and that's from Hal Prince. Going back to key songs, I think is interesting. So, you would you say with? Um... South Pacific that you've got to be... Yes, I, I'm sorry I didn't bring that up. Oh, I didn't no, say no, that. Yes, okay. yeah. I mean, it was pretty yes. clear from the way yes. you uh, were talking about it. But I'm just wondering, like, now, like, kind of, like, if we can kind of draw a line mm-hmm. from you've got to be taught to yeah. the um, song in Cabaret. What's the title? What would you do? What would you do? And just this idea of, like, kind of where this... where hatred comes from, where mm-hmm. racism comes from, and like how those, like, because we are linking these shows in yes. a way, like how those songs kind of explore that idea uh, of fear. Different it's, it's fear. I think it, I think it mm-hmm. comes from fear and, and drawing a, you know, a, 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 a complaint, complacency and a drawing a, you know, kind of, a, mm-hmm. you know, chalk, a, an invisible chalk circle around yourself right. and just kind of, you know, um, 
She doesn't want to make waves. She's been right. fine all the line uh, for Schneider's been fine all these years, and this will pass and whatever. Yeah. And it's not going to be that bad. And um, you know, race is you know you, the first line you've got to be taught to hate and fear. And yeah. it, it's I don't think people are necessarily born racist or born uh, yeah. prejudiced. I think it's it's what what's uh, their their atmosphere, what they're taught, mm-hmm. and you know their influence, their atmosphere. Yeah. When I think about the two songs, mm-hmm. to me it kind of goes bigger than that because mm-hmm. you've got to be taught, but who's the original teacher, you know? And like, is this something that is kind of innate in human beings to create an environment where there's haves and have-nots and who's going to be the group that, you know? It, 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 it is, I think it, I, I don't know if it's necessarily innate in human beings from birth, mm-hmm. but I, I, I think it's... Certainly, everybody has a sense of wanting to survive, mm-hmm. and I think that perhaps ostracizing, a, 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 you know, a, a race or a or a creed or a sexual orientation or whatever yeah. is that's part of survival skills. Just a, a, not a wrong wrong right. way to survive, right. certainly. But um, Frau Schneider wants to survive too, just as she survived all these years. Right. And if marrying this Jewish man in in and in unpo- the time when you know putting it mildly, it was unpopular to be Jewish. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is is going to make waves and not and not help her continue to survive? Then so be it. You know, it breaks her heart. But what would you do? You know, if you, I, I'm old now, you know, yeah. I don't want this con- controversy. You know? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just it's just interesting to think of it as like a larger thing than like and, a father telling his yes. son like don't play with that. Boy, yes, you know. and you've got to be taught can is a little uh, didactic and can be a, can be perceived as preachy, which is why I think it would make a, a, a preachy in a good way. Mm-hmm. I think it would make a wonderful civil rights song, and I'm surprised it didn't. Folk singers didn't pick up on it in the '60s and '50s and '60s. Mm-hmm. What would you do is a far more of a character song and far more mm-hmm. relatable, and you and you have empathy for this woman, I think. Yeah. Um, at the end of it. And it's it's a valid point, uh, you know. It doesn't make her right or, or, or wrong. I mean, but it's it's, you know, it, yeah. it is what it is. It's it's a it's a wonderful moment in that show. Let's now draw the line to our next show that you I know you wanted to talk about ragtime. Ragtime, yeah. That that encom- I mean that encompasses immigration. It's also so and and, and religion certainly the, the Lower East Side Jews, mm-hmm. uh, blacks, uh, African Americans, race. And something important today, important it, when the novel was written and in, in, in later, but especially pertinent today, women's movement mm-hmm. um, and the importance of women being independent to from from men and being their own person. You know, not women who are married. You know, yes, you're a couple, but you have to also be your own person too. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a I, more so even than South Pacific, which is a romance and. And Cabaret, which is written by John Kander, who's a very emotional composer. Ragtime is a really emotional piece. There are a lot of soaring, beautiful ballads in it. And I haven't seen any production during this current administration, but I did see the last revival on Broadway. And it was right after Obama was inaugurated. Mm -hmm. And it felt hopeful and positive. And I wonder how it would feel now. Mother, you know, I, 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 she's not under, all the characters are underwritten in the novel, mm-hmm. but she doesn't make as much of an impact as she does. And I think that's A, because of music, yeah. and B, because of Lynn Aaron's being a, 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 a female lyric writer, a female mm-hmm. wanting that perspective. And, yeah. and, you know, we love to hear the leading lady step forward and sing, but what is she singing? And I think back to before is a wonderful culmination of a journey she's made. I once asked Stephen Flaherty about this. I said, you know, none of Mother's songs, in the, they're not very long songs, yeah. you know, Goodbye My Love, a lovely piece, and and they, none of them end on a perfect cadence. They all kind of, mm-hmm. they don't end on a tonic. They don't, and that was a conscious choice. Yeah. That you know the, that finally at the end it goes to the tonic and she just sing, and she's you know belts it out mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a you know you understand her more. I wonder if Lynn hadn't been lyric writer of that. I, I wonder if if Sarah would have been as as uh, you know prominent mm-hmm. had that prominent solo of your daddy's son. Yeah, her death is pretty devastating. Yeah. she is Cole House's like reason for 
the second act, you know, and her, like her death. And her I'm sure back they, in the second act yes. alleviates it. A but, little bit, yeah. yeah. And so, I think that's a good. I know people have said, "Oh, that's you know, that's you know, no, no, you don't need that, you know, that number." Mm-hmm. It's just so Audra and Stokes can sing together again, and you know, in the original production, I I think it's a nice moment, and mm-hmm. it makes him seem less monstrous, and why we liked him, mm-hmm. you know, in the beginning. It's just like an emotional reason yes. for him to consider what he's doing. Yes, yeah. Whereas, like. And and that's I mean and that also like alleviates it gives her another role yes you know albeit small but yes. another role in what's going on with him it's yeah. not just like avenging her death of in, yeah. in some way but um, yeah I also think the show like the novel I mean I read the novel I think four times in mm-hmm. my lifetime and each time I read it I the last time I read it I connected deeply for some reason maybe it wasn't the last time but one of the more recent times with father oh, interesting. and I don't know why I mean uh-huh. I do know why I, I felt I felt sorry for him I empathized yeah. with him and I, I I felt how he felt a little bit you know not necessarily his specific mm-hmm. situation but things in an upheaval a little bit yeah. and you're just trying to keep be the best person it's you can and like, keep it. Um, but the musical's the same way. Yeah. I mean, it, it, yeah, I, yeah. I think you can, every time you see it, you find different threads. And I think that every time it's done, mm-hmm. the critical and, and public reaction is, you know, different. And yeah. I think that's why it's a rich piece. And that's why it's a piece worth doing. And I think it's probably one of the better shows of the past. I mean, I'm 27, so my, my lifetime. The past, let's say, 35 yeah. years, 30 years. It's almost like that... That whole, like, when you're in a changing, a mm-hmm. moment that's really changing, like, yeah. who gets kind of left behind, and you do feel sorry for them. He tries his best. He tries. Yeah. He, he's not, he's, you know, he was carefully taught, mm-hmm. and he's trying to move past that and trying to learn from his wife, but he simply can't. Yeah. And uh, it, that's kind of sad, too, because you sense a good person under there. And when I was young, when I was, like, you know, 21, you know, seven, eight years ago, yeah. I was, like, younger brother all the way. And oh, now yeah, I'm kind of like, brother. oh, get over yourself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I still like, understand him, but still, yeah, you know. Yeah, well, that whole part is just very interesting to me, getting back to, like, stuff that's, like, more, like, political, political yeah. about the yeah. show. The different ways of responding to, like, uh, you know, horrible things going on or or resisting different ways of resisting and the whole violence versus non-violence yes. way and like how like it kind of like splits people like some people will be like violence and like go that way and then some people will be like non-violence and go that way and that causes like a schism and that that's, you know and like that's that's in the piece too and it's really um, and it's a kind of a reaction I suppose a, a doctor must have that must have built on, you know, feelings of the civil rights movement, mm-hmm. and, you know, the, the the Malcolm X approach versus the the mm-hmm. Dr. King approach. It, it's complicated, and it's 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 there, and that's why the piece works, and that's yeah. why the piece works. I think for a lot of people, yeah. um, and I think it's a, you know, um, it's you know, it it's it is about music, certainly, and he's mm-hmm. a musician, and it's a natural musical, but it's also a natural musical because it's about um, you know, everything good and bad about America, and it's it's, mm-hmm. it's almost it's one of those ultimate American shows, yeah. um, like South Pacific, and although Cabaret is about you know, um, up you know, uh, it, it takes place in Europe. Um, looking at it now, it seems almost like the ultimate uh, tragic American musical. Mm-hmm. What uh, do you think is the key song? Oh. I want to say back to before mm-hmm. because you can't and it, it, she can't yeah. and certainly um, but, but there are certain you know it's interesting I, I want to say back to before but certain there are certain resonances you know mm-hmm. um, certain I mean I can't think of them right now but a number like the whole Lower East Side section mm-hmm. with Tate's success yeah. and you know uh, him finding it and and, and, and how how he finally reveals himself to her mm-hmm. as what he was. But if I had to boil it down to a song and just a general emotion and general phrase, it would be, we can never go back to before. I mean, there are other political musicals that are not satirical. Um, uh, we, we were talking about Fiorello. Yeah. I um, feel like if we didn't mention Fiorello, people would wonder why we didn't I wrote in my notes, I wrote, what's the deal with this show? How did yeah. it win a Pulitzer? Well, when I saw it, I saw it, 
um, a community theater production when I was <laughs> much younger. But when I saw when they did it at Encore, yeah. whenever that was, um, I, I just was like... It's a charming score. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. so many lovely moments in it, but I was just like... the. uh, In the year of Gypsy, yeah, of of all the musicals, yeah. I don't know. I'm like, did they were people like, oh my gosh, like this is a really great bio musical that. I wonder if it was that, yeah. And the nostalgia, maybe Laguardia hadn't had been dead for not too long. It's a show called Fiorello! Exclamation point. And except for his campaign number, you Mm -hmm. don't know Fiorello. Mm-hmm. And it's not like he he needs to be a, like he's like George in Sunday in the Park where he's kind of mysterious and he's an, yeah. he's a politician and he's out there, but you I, I, it, it it's baffling. <laughs> but it's a wonderful score yeah. of its period and it's great to listen to again like for a totally different reason. It's fun to listen to Finian's Rainbow. Mm-hmm. It's fun to listen to Fiorello. They are good character songs. Yeah. They're just why are they in the show and why are they there? Right. And perhaps right. if we had Hal Prince sitting here, he would say, oh, it was great in 1959, and you're wrong. And I'm sure we might be. Maybe it was a kind of a zeitgeist show. Yeah, it's possible. And those are fine. I'm always, yeah. I always think like, shows it's should historically. be over time. There's one other show I was thinking about, and mm-hmm. I wrote it down um, briefly. It's not necessarily a political show, although it's certainly, on the surface, although it certainly is, is Falsettos. Mm. And it's, I think it's pr- probably, and I'm sure someone could write in and correct me and call this number. Um, the first honest depiction of gay life in a musical. He is not noble, he's not heroic, and he's difficult, and to use uh, one of Bill Finn's uh, words, smarmy, <laughs> and he's not uh, likable yeah. at first. He, but, you know, I, you know, I was thinking about this in comparison with a show like Modern Family. Mm-hmm. You know, I know a lot of gay men like the character Jesse Tyler Ferguson plays Mitchell. I know more gay men like Mitchell and mm-hmm. and Marvin who are complicated and neurotic, uh-huh. and you know, I, I and not stereotypical. Yeah. And I think that that it that that's a, it's an honest show in that regard. Mm-hmm. And it's the only you you might know more than me. It's the only show I can think of that that deliberately, I mean, not in a coded way, mm-hmm. deals with the AIDS crisis. Yeah. And it dealt with it in not in a period way, but it was happening. I mean, I think Falsetto Land right. premiered in 1989 or 1990 like at yeah. Playwrights Horizons. And we don't think of it as political, but it is. Politics attracts a lot of composers and a lot of people who want to tell stories through music. Mm-hmm. That concludes, I think, everything I have to say right now about, <laughs> about politics and music theater, but yeah. um, except for the next subject, which is a little political, too. Uh, you mean our next section? Yes. Why is this so good? Yeah, yes. Let's move on to that, because yes. I'm super excited. I know, this um, is your favorite Sondheim this is song? my favorite, I call it my favorite, I mean, I love so many Sondheim songs, but like, if It's pressed, his favorite Sondheim right, song. Right, if pressed, I would say it is, and we can get into why, like, as we talk about it, but... Um, it's one of mine too, I should yeah, say. Yeah, but first off, just so, yeah, why did you pick this song? Because like you, I love this song. I think it, I, speaking of key songs, mm-hmm. I think this is the key song. This yeah. is Someone in the Tree from Pacific Overtures. Yeah. I think this is the key song in that show because Pacific Overtures, for my money, is a song, that, a show that's very much about observation and about different interpretations of mm-hmm. history, and certainly this song is. It's the Rashomon song. Mm-hmm. It's it's not just between, you know, the warrior and mm-hmm. the the old the, the boy in the tree, but what the old man remembers and what yeah. he might not remember that the young boy in the tree actually saw. Um, I think it's the the kind of climactic focal point of the score. It's where the score finally goes from being a little off-putting to audiences, a little too Eastern, mm-hmm. to kind of getting a little Western. Mm-hmm. Um, and it happens at a particular bar yeah. um, in the score. I have a score in front of me here. It's just, th- this vamp just continues, this bum, 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 continues. And it, it, there, there are variations in it, the key changes. And then finally, when he, um, when the boy comes... Tell me what I see here. It, mm-hmm. Finally, it, it reaches. I I don't know what chord that is. I'm not going to analyze it here. But but that's when it, I think finally. It's it's a relentless, endless vamping, and it's basically the same vamp, mm-hmm. and there's no change. Maybe a little bit in the bass, and finally, that's when 
it's a release, and I think that's when the show kind of almost becomes musically more Western than mm. Eastern. Um, and um, why do you think they do it in that moment? I don't know. I just feel like it happens again too in the second chorus. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that point in the score, I don't know what it is. It just feels maybe because there's so much tension and building mm-hmm. up that it just feels like a release. Yeah, but well, I, I guess the song. But the song like, itself, I just well, feels. Well, what it's about too. It's yes. Like the signing of this treaty. And yes. This is, I guess, a turning point where Japan did become more Western. Yes, that's true. <laughs> that's true too. Yeah. Pardon me, I was there. You were where? At the treaty house. The treaty there house. was a tree, which was where? Very near. Over here. Maybe over there, but there were trees then everywhere. May I show you there Please were trees please. then everywhere. But you were there. And I was there. Let me show you. If you please. I was younger then. I was good at climbing trees. I was younger then. I saw everything. I was hidden all the time. It was easier to climb. I was younger then. I saw everything. Where they came and where they went. I was part of the event. I was someone in the tree. I was younger then. Tell him what I see. I am in a tree. I am ten. I am in a tree. I was younger then. In between the eaves, I can see. Tell me what I see. It's it's also about you know about humanity in a far broader way. Mm-hmm. It's you know even if you're not in the room, and certainly these this little boy and the warrior are not in the room. They count. They yeah. still, you know, were you know were were there. there. They were there. <laughs> you know, the, yeah. the details of the observer count. And right. Well, that. We, and, we, oh, let, sorry. Go ahead. We we as people who like musical theater, you know, and who, who create musical theater, you know, yeah, sure, we're interested in hearing mm-hmm. uh, from you know people who uh, you know were created were in, you know in the room writing whatever or or, in the room or where it happens. yes yeah. I, was, I, was, I didn't want to jump to the cliche but what the hell um i mean it's you know, become but, part of the lexicon that's now, fun. So. that's that's great why not yeah. this is a song about what history is actually about and how yes. history is constructed and that it's not somebody there like recording like oh uh now he's signing the treaty you know nobody's yes. there as the as a historian you know, that that's what that's what being an historian is too. You know, it's usually some observer who mm. then writes about it, who then tells about it, and that's how history is kind of formed. And I think what so getting to like what I love so much about mm. this yeah. song is that I think, and I you know have mentioned the Yip Harburg quote uh, many times about how music uh, words make you think. Uh, think a thought, music makes you feel, uh, but a song makes you feel a thought. And I think that's, like, this is like the epitome of that. Like, this is what's going on. It's like taking an idea that, like, history is perception. And it's um, not only making that idea theatrical, which is, like, a feat in itself. Mm -hmm. It's making it emotional, which is, like, beyond... Like, I think about that, and I'm like, how is this happening? How am I feeling this idea so much that like as the song builds I'm getting emotional about it about this idea and I just it's that's what music does yeah I mean it just boggles my mind I'm like I'm not getting emotional because someone's dying or somebody is in love and they say I love you I'm getting emotional because history is this this is history and this is like a definition of it it's just crazy to me it's 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 the it's the it encompasses everything 
that, about the concept and the idea of the show itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pacific Overtures, these three characters, you know, we never see them again. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's kind of a little scrapbook th- scene. Yeah. The, the show was about the fishermen and the samurai um, and how their points of view shift. One becomes very pro-West and one becomes set in the old ways, mm-hmm. which is not how it was at the beginning of the show. And a bowler hat, which comes in the second act, mm-hmm. that might encompass the, um, the relationship uh, part of the, po- of the politics of this show. Mm-hmm. But this certainly, this is, this is what the idea right. of the show and is. And I think it makes us all... And it's the key song as far yeah. as I can tell. Oh, yeah. And I think it makes us all feel important. Like, we are all active in this world. We are all, like, our, yeah, as you said, like, yeah. our perception counts. Yeah. Um, and we, it's interesting. And yeah. it's as, as of worth, yeah. Yeah, and we're all, like, we're all someone in a tree. In a way, yes. or we can be someone in a tree. We yeah. can, if we're, if we happen to be there, yes. like, that's important. Mm-hmm. And we have that, you know, and it's, you know, and all these all these lines at the end it's a fragment not the day yes. it's a pebble not the stream yeah, yeah, yeah. it's the, you know it's yeah. it's just every kind of metaphor is yes <laughs> yes like it's the building not the beam it's the building but not the building but the beam, beam. that um, is happening yeah it's yeah. like all of a sudden and i think the music is kind of like making you feel like the underbelly is in yeah. a way like the way mm. it's building i don't know there's something about the the rhythm that's like how it kind of chugs a little bit but it's a relentlessness, and it's, yeah. it just it gets you excited. It gets you excited, but I, I almost feel like I'm. I, it's like the inner the gears of history. Of history, like yes. moving, like interesting, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, like, I always look at this kind of because, because it, it is a show that takes place in Japan, and, and Eastern music can be a little re, a little relentless. Right, right. That's why, but that's interesting. I hadn't thought of of, of the the chugging of the train of history going forward. That's yeah, really I mean, that's really neat. Wow. Okay. I just like. I don't know. I'm just trying to think of like why this <laughs> song gets me so much. But I think like your feet, like all of us, the music's like bringing, like emotionally or sonically bringing yes. you into into the beam, into the stone. Like you're those little, like we're becoming those little parts, and we're feeling like we are those little parts in the world. I like the theatrical idea of the fact that it's a present day old man and all of a sudden it but he's still on stage and it's but and but it, now we're back then mm-hmm. and it's two different times right, he's, colliding right. I like that theatrical he's weirdness of it he's very simple he's not using the, the typical Sondheim big words here yes, yeah. like pardon me I was there you were where at the treaty house the treaty house you know yeah, it's yes. like um, there were trees you know it's the language is so simple but yet, it's still conveying this hugely and deep, it, profound idea. And it's still sophisticated. It's not at all a simplistic right, song. Right. It's very, yeah. yeah. I feel he does that in Sunday in the Park with George, too, mm-hmm. which I think they he tried to make uh, Lapine, too, feel like a translation in the first act. Mm. Um, yeah, well, they and, and that, in Sunday in the Park, too, there's kind of like a... She's learning English. Yes. So yeah. there's like a, yeah. that kind of like... We're, we're moving from... Mm-hmm. Even even though the whole show is spoken in English, we're moving mm-hmm. from like an English of them actually speaking French mm-hmm. to an English through a learning of actual English yes. to English. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's yeah. It's like a very weird. Oh, that's concept. that's why the shows last, I guess. see there's going to be a book that comes out I think next week uh, by there was recently a biography of Cy Coleman that came mm. out and the same guy is writing a biography 
about Betty Common and Adolph Green. Mm. And I don't know if there's ever been one about them. And I'm kind of excited um, because they were real, you know, the high culture tastemakers of, of their era yeah. and uh, real joyous, witty, wacky, fun writers. And I, they seem, I wish, I wish we could hang out with them because they yeah. just seem great. Something close to a biography of them that I read is there's a book um, by Carol Oja, I think mm-hmm. that's how you pronounce her name, mm-hmm. uh, called Bernstein Meets Broadway, Collaborate, Collaborative Arts in a Time of War. And it's basically about the, the making of On the Town, but it you know goes back to how Condom and, Condom, uh, Con- Condom and Green got uh, involved and, started. And Fancy Free with the and ballet. And Fancy yeah, Free yeah. and how mm-hmm. all those threads... It's basically how all those threads like came together. It's very and the star of the show, the the woman, Sono Osaka, yeah, the Japanese her, dancer. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. her story mm-hmm. and that's um, interesting. It's a really interesting uh, book. On the town's an important uh, through line in 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 in. It's not a it, not a political show, but in, mm-hmm. in how you know it, it what it's about and and the careers of those people. Yeah, and, and the book goes into a lot of racial stuff. Because it wasn't, it wasn't the first, one of the first interracial Broadway dancing choruses. Yeah, well, I mean, the lead is the lead woman is Japanese. She is Japanese American. That's true. Yeah, yeah, and, um, yeah Japanese American. Yeah. And um, and there's a lot. I think she died recently, not too long ago. She oh, lived quite yeah, a long, long life. Um, and uh, there's a lot in it about how Bernstein fought for African American musicians. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of blues in that story. In the yeah. in the pit yeah. and like all you know all yeah. this stuff. So it's a very interesting book. On that same tangent, another book that I I've read I've heard is coming out in the fall is a collection of Jerome Robbins's uh, letters and correspondence and journal mm-hmm. entries and um, so that'll be interesting because yeah. he's Jerry Robbins is perceived as a bit of a villain, which I think he was the choreographer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the director. Uh, but it'll be nice to see him humanize a little mm-hmm. bit. For sure. Well, great. Thank you so much for coming back. Thank Hope you for to having me. Have you again soon? I mean, it's yeah. always fun to be here. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Scene to Song. Please write to us at scene to song at gmail.com at any time with a comment or question about an episode, musical theater, or if you'd like to be a podcast guest. Follow Scene to Song on Twitter at Scene Song, as well as on Facebook at Scene to Song with Shoshana Greenberg Podcast. And be sure to rate us on iTunes, review, subscribe, and share it with your friends. The theme music you are hearing is by Julia Meinwald. And check back here in two weeks for our next episode. Music